Welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I am your hula dancing of a host, Gary, joined by my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hula dancing? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see you hula dance. I don't think they make grass skirts my size, but oh. we'll give it a shot. But, unfortunately, Goldian, I'm a bit sad today. Aww. Yeah, it seems I burnt my Hawaiian pizza for lunch. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. Well, it really much is. But, I should have cooked it at Aloha temperature. Oh my god. Now that we have some humor added to the show, I also wanted to add some good news. Today, we reached 10,000 listeners. Yay! No, you're fine. (laughs) That means there have been a lot of creature features, ghost stories, and other mysteries have been playing over the internet. I never thought we would be at this point with such a short time span. Thanks to all of you who have listened and helped to promote the show to your friends, and maybe even some enemies. I don't judge. (laughs) Knowing how many of you are out there who enjoy what we do is the best motivation to do more and to do better. Your support and enjoyment means everything in this project. Not only are we gaining listeners, but we're also gaining recognition. Awesome. Paranormality Magazine, a monthly... One of my favorites. A monthly digital and printed magazine that covers all topics of the supernatural listed us as ranked number eight of Paranormal Podcasts for the month of March. This was decided on by votes from listeners, which means we got more than just our two votes. (laughs) Yeah, this is very cool that they actually consider us as a favorite paranormal podcast. The magazine is amazing. There's some really good writers, and I just love going through them every every month. Speaking of good news, Good Pods, a podcast provider app, also does a monthly chart, and we received an email to notify us that for the month of March, Within the Mist podcast is number seven in the science charts. Awesome. Number 20 in the top 100 science charts. Nice. And number 21 in the top 100 indie history charts. That's awesome. Yeah, it means that we're rocking the science and history stuff. Our TikTok channel, which features daily short stories of many of the same topics we cover here, also just grew to have 1,300 followers. So, if you want a daily fix of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries, take a look at Within the Mist of TikTok every day. So, let's start with a disclaimer. Today's episode contains stories about Hawaii's most deadly ghosts who have been known to kill those who see them. Some members of the audience might find this a bit unsettling, so please be forewarned. In other words, Ariel, stop listening now. Ariel being my daughter. And pretty much a coward when it comes to ghost stories. And living in Hawaii. (laughs) This is true. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe Ariel. (laughs) Listener discretion is always advised. So now, let's take a walk within the mist. The islands of Hawaii are rich with beauty, culture, and history. A part of that history is a legend of a procession of ghostly warriors tasked to lead their king from one sacred location to another sacred location on the islands during certain nights of the lunar month. They are so protective of their king 
that the tales say that even those that look upon their king are doomed to be killed and worse. Today, we discuss what the Hawaiians call the Huakai Po, also known as the Night Marchers. So is this something you heard of before, Goldian? I thought I had, but the ones I've heard of aren't anything to be afraid of. These ones are definitely ones to be afraid of. I need to figure out the ones I know of and these. Yeah, this is not something you want to be uh, confused on and make a mistake. There are countless stories of encounters that people have had with the night marchers over the centuries. It would be nearly impossible to isolate just a few for our podcast. Therefore, I have decided to combine several of the legends into one story a way that tells of the night marchers to better explain the mystery behind these fabled ghostly warriors. Chapter 1. Grandfather's Home There were three boys who became friends at the beginning of the school year. Although they came from very different backgrounds, it did not take long for the three of them to become very close. They enjoyed each other's company and spent many of their weekends together. There was Makoa, whose family had lived on the island since the very beginning. He had grown up in all the culture of the islands. He had been taught the ways of his ancestors since an early age. Austin was born on the island, but his family was originally from the Midwest. He was an avid reader and loved learning about the culture and the history of the islands. Then there was Jarrett, who had recently moved to the islands with his family. He was new to the traditions of the islands and got most of his history about Hawaii from television shows and movies. Most of their time was playing basketball or the latest video games. However, on certain evenings, their favorite pastime was visiting the grandfather of Makoa. They loved going to the grandfather's home to hear his stories. He would tell them about ancient battles and Hawaiian heroes. He knew everything about the ancient people of the islands, and each story he told was better than the last. Tonight, over dinner of loma salmon, long rice, and grilled pineapples, the elderly Hawaiian told them about the grand royal possessions. In those days, when the islands had kings, there would be great parades announcing the approach of the rulers of Hawaii, known as the Alehi. These kings were believed to be the descendants of the gods and possessed divine powers instilled to them over the lands through an act of crossing the islands. These walks from holy place to holy place would focus spiritual energy to provide what was called mana, or mystical power, to the kings. Therefore, the Alehi would make marches to inspect their lands, head towards battles, or just maintain appearances. These would be meant to heal and strengthen the islands and reinforce the bond between the king and the land. Heralds would announce the approaching procession of the king with the sound of drums and the music of conch shells. This was to give the common people warning of his approach and provide time to give way to his coming through. It was considered a sign of utmost disrespect for a commoner to ever touch, look upon, or even let the shadow of the Alehi fall upon them. There was a belief that those with evil intentions could attempt to draw the king's spiritual mana from him and weaken the nation. The bond between eye contact, or from the connection from the king to a commoner through his shadow, was significant enough for the transfer of power away from the ruler. 
any of these actions would result in instant and brutal death from one of the royal guards. The three boys were entranced by the grandfather's story. He made the history come alive to them. But then it was time for their favorite part of the night. It was at this time of the evening when the sun began to set over the ocean that the history turned into the supernatural. The grandfather explained that ever since those ancient times, on every Hawaiian island and on very certain nights, the spirits of those great leaders would continue the marches, surrounded by his heralds and his warriors. They would continue to make their pilgrimages meant to align the mystical mana of the islands. Now, these marchers are not evil, so in order to protect the people, they travel at night to prevent contact with the mortals and to remove the risk of shadows. For those still out on those darkest of nights, they make sure to provide warnings of sights, sounds, and even smells to signal that they're coming. The friends just couldn't get enough of hearing every aspect of the night marchers' tales. Mikhail had grown up hearing these stories since he was a small boy. He knew his ancestors had been brave warriors who had probably been amongst those who protected the king long ago. Austin had read about the night marchers and was familiar with some of the accounts, but most of the stories were usually passed down through storytelling from generation to generation, and there just wasn't very much in print. Jarrett just felt that these were good ghost stories meant to frighten children in the night, but he was no child. Night finally came, and the boys were leaving to head to their homes. The grandfather warned them to stay on the road. He pointed to the sky, explaining that it was a special night, one in which was more prevalent for the night marchers. It was a night known as Pokane, the 27th night of the Hawaiian lunar calendar when a waning crescent moon looms low in the night sky. Cain was one of the four major Hawaiian gods, or a ku. He was the ku of nature and of water. On Po Cain, it is provided the smallest shadow and just enough light for the kings to make their journey. They didn't have to worry about their shadows touching other people to lose their mana. The Alehi would use the Poke Knights to go and tend to the sacred areas, in the temples or the Hiaeas. Only Alea could go into these holy places. The grandfather told the boys to hurry and never go seeking the night marchers. They may have thought it was only a story of an old man, but he was very sincere, reminding them that what he said was true and was meant as a warning. The friends left and continued to discuss the stories of the night marchers as they walked along the road towards their homes. Jarrett teased the other two for believing in the stories. He called them babies for believing such wild things. Despite the sincerity Mikhail had for the traditions of his family's culture, or the logical support Austin provided, Jarrett just would not change his mind about the whole thing. During the walk, Jarrett decided he wanted to go to the area where the night marchers were supposed to appear. He wanted to see it for himself. He challenged the other two to come with him. Many of the known paths the night marchers make travel along sacred sites of temples and caves on the islands. 
A few of the popular locations known for the night marchers are the Nuwanu Pali Lookout, the Kawawi Valley, and the Kalihi Valley. Despite their pleadings not to, Jared turned on his flashlight and turned from the main road onto a darkened path. The other two boys took a deep sigh and turned on their own flashlights. Mikhail and Austin didn't want to, but Jarrett ran off causing them to chase after him with hopes of convincing him to stop. Chapter 2 Contact with the Night Marchers It only took a few minutes for the boys to catch up with their friend. He had stopped in the middle of the path and motioned for them to be quiet. There were only the sounds of the waves at first, but soon, very softly, they heard the rhythmic beating of drums and the howling conch shells. Off in the distance was a long procession of eerie torches coming along the same dark path ahead of them. There was no doubt that they were coming towards the boys. Mikhail and Austin pleaded with Jared. This just wasn't any fun, and they needed to get to safety. Jared still wasn't convinced in the legend and held his ground. Mikhail and Austin were forced to turn back the way they had came, leaving him. They hoped that leaving him in the dark would convince him to join them. Jared believed that the stories were just part of a practical joke that was meant to trick the tourists. All of this was just for the amusement of the islanders, and he wasn't going to fall for it. He had heard the playing of conch shells many times before. It was utilized in the many luau's for the tourists, so why should he have believed that it was the night marchers now? It was easier for him to picture a party down below. He decided he would play along and let out a loud whistle to call back to the sounds of the music. Unfortunately, Jared did not realize that the act of whistling in the night is considered a challenge to the spirits. It disrupts the music and is said to attract the ghosts who hear it and cause them to come after you. The drums grew louder as he realized that whoever was carrying the torches was heading towards him on the path. He noticed that there was the smell of sulfur in the air, as if he was being approached by a volcano. The tall grass beside him and even the branches of the tall palm trees on either side of the path began to move as if a hot wind was moving through them ahead of the torchlights. Then, just as Jarrett was about to decide to turn and run after his friends, the night marchers appeared. To the boy, they were amazing. He could see the heralds with drums in one hand as they beat them with the other to keep the time of the marchers. There were also others holding large conch shells that they raised to blow the loud melodic call out into the night. Then he saw the warriors. They were dressed for battle from some long-forgotten time. They wore feathered capes and large arched helmets. Their chests were bare, and in their hands they were armed with spears and studded war clubs. He was mesmerized by the entire thing. And then he realized that it was not just the Alehi that commanded the night marchers on this pilgrimage. In the center of the procession was one of the ancient Hawaiian gods making the trek as well. Legends tell that on certain instances when one of the Hawaiian gods would also make the trek with the king. Now whether this is to add their power to the spiritual energies or to review the state of their islands is unknown. What is known 
is that it is said that the torches burn brighter in those marches, with the largest torch carried one in the front, one in the back, and three within the group, as the number five is significant in Hawaiian mythology. Hayaka, the patron goddess of Hawaii and medicine, is the most associated with traveling amongst the night marchers. Perhaps she joined the procession to heal the islands. Jarrett was so stunned by what he was seeing that he was frozen in place. He had lost all of his bravado, but he had also forgotten to show proper deference to the former island king and his night marchers. One of the warriors turned from the procession and advanced on him. Jarrett watched as he made his way towards him. The ghost's feet not even touched the surface of the ground. Jarrett raised an arm to defend himself, but it was not enough to stop the ghostly club from being raised to come down and strike the boy. The punishment for seeing the night marchers is a violent death. What the hell? Many locals can recount the encounters of arrogant people who had not believed and how they met their fate at the hands of the night marchers. Jarrett was killed, but worse, the Alehi looked upon the corpse with intense light and blistering heat that came forth from his eyes. What he the was... hell? Jarrett felt his soul being pulled out of his body as he became part of the procession. He's just a kid. Chapter 3 Respecting the Night Marchers Austin tried to keep up with the much faster Mikhail, but he did not know the woods in the same way his friend did. After only a few moments, he realized that he had lost sight of his friend's guiding flashlight. He was now alone in the dark, an unknown forest. Worse, he had lost the path that he was on. It would have taken him back to the road. But he knew that the path must have been around him somewhere, but try as he might, his flashlight could not seem to find the way. Austin could feel the fear building up within him, but it was nothing compared to how he felt when the sounds of the drums started gaining on him. They were so close now that he could hear chanting, and then the unmistakable sound of a conch shell. The sound seemed to be coming from everywhere, and he still had no idea where the path out there was. He knew that the night marchers would be upon him at any moment. Luckily, he did not have the same pride that doomed his friend Jarrett. Customs say that if you are to come across the night marchers, the only way to hope to survive is to demonstrate yourself as lowly as a commoner as possible, to remove any evidence that you are a threat. To do this, the helpless individual needs to remove all of their clothes and lay down in the dirt naked. What? Austin grabbed his shirt and pulled it up over his head while using one foot to dislodge his shoe before doing the same to the other. He grabbed his shorts and pulled them downward, leaving him naked to the night air. The boys had laughed earlier when the grandfather had told them about this. But now, Austin remembered that he had to urinate on himself, to make himself as disgustingly unpure as possible. The terror was helpful in that aspect, as the boy released his bladder while he laid there. It is important to make yourself seem as pathetic as possible before the night marchers so that the king does not have any reason to believe that you are attempting to steal his mana. They may also consider the sight of a naked person who has peed on themselves as sick or mentally ill. Either reason should protect you from the attack of the ghostly warriors. Okay. 
Austin laid amongst the underbrush, with his face pressed down and hands covering his head. He squeezed his eyes shut tightly. He was a pitiful and frightened boy in the dark. There was the sound of footsteps in front of him, just on the other side of the grass. They were coming closer now. Suddenly, he heard the shout from the darkness, Kapoo! as they had seen him. A moment passed, and the warriors did not harm him. He had been seen as proving his harmlessness, and not as a risk to their king. Thank goodness. Austin truly did make a pathetic sight as the night marchers passed him by. He was naked, scared, and soaked in his own urine, but he survived this night. After what felt like an eternity, and even taking a few extra minutes to make sure the procession had passed, Austin finally raised his head to find himself alone and just beside the path. Grabbing his clothes, he only took long enough to slip on his shoes before he ran to the road. Hmm. Wow, poor kid. Chapter 4 Descendant of the Night Marchers Mikhail made it to the road and could see his home ahead of him. The boy knew that he would be protected in the house because of the foresight of his parents had when they had built their home. They had ensured that the house was not placed on any land that would cross the night marchers' known paths. The doors were constructed to prevent a straight line from the mountains to the ocean. A straight path through a home would invite the night marchers as if it would draw them through a tunnel rather than force them to march around. The best defense the home had to avoid a visit from the night marchers were the tea plants, spelled T-I. These are not the kind of tea that you drink. The tea plants are sacred to Hawaiians, utilized in many of their ceremonies. This is because of the plant's attachment to the Hawaiian god Lono, the god of prosperity. They are used in Hawaiian ceremonies for blessings, as well as bringing good luck. Tea leaf lays are sometimes given to people for good luck. You can also circle your home with these shrubs, which acts as a barrier to the night marchers. Mikhail knew he was safe, but he felt guilty about leaving his friends behind. His grandfather, who told him about their long history as warriors, would have been ashamed of him and of his cowardice. Therefore, the boy turned and ran back into the forest to find his two friends. The procession was too close now once he had returned to the path. He knew he didn't have time to take off his clothes and was doomed. Just as the night marchers were about to make the turn around the path, Mikhail felt a violent shove to his back that forced him to the ground. Mikhail realized that one of the night marchers was standing on top of him. He was prepared to die, but instead heard a loud and deep voice call out, Nau! If you have an ancestor as part of the night marchers, they may choose to vouch for you by claiming Nau, which states that this is one of mine. This ancestor then can protect you from the other marchers. Okay, if they choose to protect you. Your life will be spared. It does not require that your bloodline be Native Hawaiian. There have been many encounters where Asian eyewitnesses have survived the night marchers. They would then later discover that their ancestors had been taken by the procession long ago when they worked the fields of Hawaii. That's good. To Mikao, it seemed like an eternity with the ghostly foot pressed firmly on his back. He could hear the chanting of the warriors pass him by to the beat of the drums. Finally, 
his spiritual ancestor released him and returned to his place back in the procession. Mikhail dared to take one last peek as the procession had moved on. He saw the tall warrior dressed in ancient outfit that was his ancestor. He also noticed his friend, Jarrett. The one who didn't believe. The one who didn't believe. Keeping pace beside him as he was now part of the night marchers for all of eternity. Standing up, he was nearly run over by Austin, who quickly put on the remainder of his clothes while both of them told about what had happened to them. The two both rushed home. Tonight, they were safe and much wiser about the legends of Hokai Po. They told their parents about what had happened to Jarrett. The parents quickly called the police and sent out a search party. Out in the woods, they found Jarrett, who was unconscious from a blow to his head, which would definitely leave a scar. It seemed that Hayeka, the patron goddess of medicine, took pity on the young boy and restored him back to life. Maybe now he would be a bit more wiser. The three boys never changed their stories about their encounter with the Night Marchers. Chapter 5 Legends in History The legends of these ghostly processions have been passed down orally with many Hawaiian residents claiming to have seen or to know someone who has seen the apparitions. The first published account, which referred to the Night Marchers as Owayo, occurred in 1883 and described an incident in which a phantom army was being led by the ghosts of King Kamehameha, who had united the islands of Hawaii into one kingdom in the year of 1810. Since then, there have been several published accounts, but the fullest one was made in 1930 by Mary Kawini Pokoi. The night marchers are a good example of an importance to learn the cultures of the native people. It is always crucial to be respectful, especially in a land where disrespect can get you killed and having your soul dragged into a night march for all of eternity. I think that's pretty awesome. A little scary, but, you know, I don't live in Hawaii, so I don't have to worry about that. But <laughs> Okay, we now have family living in Hawaii. I have a feeling we'll be visiting. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to have to get Ariel to go get a bunch of uh, tea plants and put them around her house. Well... Being sure to keep my eyes to myself on a dark Hawaiian night, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for the introduction music. We love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. Perhaps you have your own encounter with the Night Marchers. That would be awesome. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Night Marchers, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. Aloha. Aloha.